0: Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and WeMan Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class sales support services with integrity, and on this podcast we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. Welcome to today's episode. We have a really special guest in the house, Mr. Alex Moscow. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here and to jam again. Uh, our conversations around events and all the things are always some of my favorites.
0: Yeah, me too, man. And uh, one of the things I, I really appreciate about you is your personal journey that you've taken to to be with you at today. You know, you've used events as a as a vehicle for personal growth and transformation, and you've evolved so much in such a short period of time. And I'm just so excited to hear your your wealth of wisdom around events. Uh, I know you've taught people several people, hundreds of people, how to take small events, ten to thirty people, and do multiple six figures. And you've even evolved just recently to start leading your own higher class events, abundance amplifier events. And you have the biggest event of your life coming up your wedding in about a week. My God,
1: <laughs> so cool, man! Yeah, there there was few. There's a few interviews that I would take a week before the wedding. And this is just one that's so aligned. It's so aligned to my soul. Uh, Events have made the biggest difference in my life, in my personal life, in my business, in my relationship uh, with Jennifer. And it's, they're just so rich. Like as humans, we're designed to grow in person with other humans in true peer groups and also communities we learn so much from that so i'm excited to be here and excited to dive in and to really just provide a context for what i truly believe the power is of events and what the what's available to extract from them personally for our clients for the true impact that we make. I believe if you truly want to make a difference in the world, leading world-class events is the number one strategy. That's such a win-win-win all the way around. So I'm excited to dive into all the things and to go down whichever road that we're gonna go down today.
0: Awesome, man, I'm excited. A little bit of a choose our own adventure here today. So we're doing this format. This is gonna be a little bit different than we've done maybe some other episodes. This is gonna be more of a longer, form uh, interview, a little bit more back and forth, and it's going to be a little more flow today because we really want to make sure that there's no constraint on what's mm-hmm. going to come through you and your genius <laughs> um, as you create. we create this together. Uh, Alex, um, I always like to start off with a little bit of uh origin story, a background story, you know, just a way for people to, to know you, understand what you, connect with you. Can you just stress a little bit about your background and what brought you into the event world yeah, and feel free so, to highlight your your some of the results you've produced because I always love to hear that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so as you so elegantly shared in the intro of, I do have several brands all around events, small events, big profits, which is helping people do really impactful and powerful events with 10 to 30 people and to walk away with multiple six figures in a weekend. And then also to for those who really want to be true leaders of their industry is to create world-class events that are a staple that really bring together all the leaders of their industry and produce seven to multiple seven figures in profit in a weekend. And I got into all of the event space because again, they've made the biggest difference in my life to where I went to my first event when I was 19 years old and I've had a challenge with a stutter for most of my life. And so that event was the first, experience that I've ever had to really understand that, wow, like I have limiting beliefs and it was a personal development event. So I I was aware that I had limiting beliefs. There were stories that I was telling myself that were not necessarily true. And the decisions that I made around my identity and my destiny, they were limited and they didn't even come from me. They came from the different culture. They came from uh, whether it's unconscious patterns in my family. And so to really have that insight at 19, which I'm so grateful for, that really launched me into a whole world of personal development exploration, specifically for my speech, because it was such a challenging experience to have of growing up, of wanting to connect with people and to really just honestly wanting to be understood, whereas there was points where I couldn't even say my own name. So as you can imagine growing up, that was incredibly hard to be able to really connect with people and to really just be able to have a sense of who just belonging and for people to really understand me. And so the event world is where I was really open with such, such loving arms. And I really got the power of mentorship there as well, where people saw something in me that I could not see for myself yet. And so I was really taken under, under the wing of many just incredible humans in the transformation space, in the business space. And that's really what launched me into it to where I started a a marketing company uh, when I was 20 years old because in going to the personal development events, they were saying, Hey, if you really want to have control over your life, you got to become an entrepreneur. And. I got my first six figure client when I was 21 years old. And I got that client because I hired a coach and a mentor and it just so happened that that coach and a mentor uh, became a business partner where i was doing marketing but i really wanted to be in the transformation space in the coaching space but i didn't have the confidence to help people because again there was times where i couldn't say my own name so why would someone listen to me there's people who've been doing it for you know three times as long as i've been alive and uh there's just so many different elements of my limiting stories to why i couldn't do it and so i got the opportunity to work for a a mentor of mine and who was one of my closest friends. And to really helped him grow a multiple seven-figure coaching and training uh, company online and offline. And that was when I was 21 to 25. So I got my 10,000 plus hours in the first couple of years because I was uh, definitely on the grind of the 100-hour work weeks and really just getting my training and the the development, the education that came from that was was priceless. And to really see what is possible in the world of just transformation as a whole, whether that's if you're a coach or a trainer an expert and you're helping people, whether it's in their business or in their relationship or in their health or spirituality, whatever it is, the in-person component to it is so powerful to really witness and feel your clients share their results based upon the wisdom and the experience, the programs that you're offering. So that just component to it made all of the challenges that we go through as online entrepreneurs with building funnels and figuring out the tech and all of that stuff, it made it so much more worth it to be able to spend time with clients in person. And I really got to see and to learn from the biggest ways to help people rapidly transform is live in-person experiences. And to help them sustain that growth and transformation is with the container that we set with online programs, you know, coaching calls, whether it's group or one-on-one, And to use the foundation though of the quantum leaps that happen and that are available live in person where you're leveraging the physical energy that's in a room to help someone shift their belief systems, to also give the examples of the amazing people who are also in the program to see examples of people who may be a little further along and to invoke their leadership and their growth into really supporting the the collective. Group of people to really grow and all be uh, to all go after a similar goal when in the world of entrepreneurship, it can be lonely and it can be a game of uh, comparison and judgment of other people online and to use the events to really connect them back to their mission, their purpose. And it's just been an incredible journey to look at that and to experience that and to foster that and to really look at if I really want to make the biggest difference in the world, I knew that I needed to master the world of live in-person experiences because that is really what creates the highest and the fastest and the most sustainable amount of human change. And that human change is also what results in millions of dollars if you're selling coaching programs or uh, in-person masterminds or or events as well.
0: Wow. So much in that little segment there, I think we can call it a wrap right now and this would be a phenomenal interview. (laughs) Thank you for downloading all that with us, man. I'm just so impressed by how much experience you got in such a short period of time, you know, and and this whole notion of like, there's a shortcut out there. It's, it's experience. You know, the reason you're so young and so successful is because you put in hundred hours a week from, you know, 20 to 25 (laughs) doing one thing, you know, one skill, one, one. Yeah. It's impressive, man. And how, despite the fact that you had, you know, this condition that, you know, maybe caused some hesitation. Um, you went moved through it. And in moving through it, you actually grew through it. Um, which is remarkable, man. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all that with us.
1: Yeah, one thing I'll share on that is I had an incredible mentor who threw me onto the playing field when I shouldn't have been on the playing field. So I was doing business coaching with people when I was 21 to 25 who were twice my age. And they were looking to me to help them grow a business around their message and to get it out there to the world. And I was helping to lead people through their own internal blocks and what's coming up for them. And also to craft, you know, the marketing messages to attract the right people into the room, to really help them develop their sales processes to where it was high integrity and highly effective to get people to say yes to a bigger vision and to invest in themselves through their coaching programs and events and trainings. And so that whole process is experiential. And that's also why I love events is because I believe as humans, we learn so much faster through experience versus even the, like we're on an interview right now, and this is content online that will live forever, which is so powerful and great. And it will never replace the experience of actually doing your first live event. It's kind of like, I give the example of sales. Like you can listen to all of the sales podcasts, you can read all the books, you can watch, you can even watch all the best sales calls and you will not, Master selling, unless you are on the phone, and you get in the reps, the consistency and the experience of doing it and being on the playing field will, nothing will really replace that. And as you're on the field, all the coaching, the mentorship, everything that we all invest in so much of becomes exponentially valuable as we're on the playing field doing it.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, like it just reveals itself as you're doing it, right? Taking the next step. The next step reveals itself. The experience comes through repetition. Repetition is the mother of skill. It's just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Um, Two things I'll share briefly on that. Um, One, I had a, actually, you and I are very connected in this way. We had a very similar origin story where I had a mentor. I had a 10-year career in the Navy, um, left the Navy, uh, and went to work for a mentor. I was part of their mastermind group. Uh, I took the, the little money I had in the Navy and invested in a program. And then I went to work for this mentor mentor wanted someone to help him on the phone, doing calls into the coaching program. And in very short order, I had, you know, similar to you, 80, hundred hour plus weeks of calls myself. And then we had so many more calls that I had to build a team to do the calls. And then all that that forced me to learn and grow, which eventually led me to build an agency that did this for many businesses over the last several years. But it was that in the fire, doing it every day, for, you know years that built the skill and built the, the business. so yeah thanks for sharing that man. Yeah uh, what were they actually I'll uh, share uh, you talked about the first events and uh, yeah, I'm, part of me is a little bit kind of like shy to share this but uh you know I, I I supported many 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 event leaders over the last several years helping them do extremely well with enrollment into their programs. And uh, yeah, I admit that I had not held my own events and actually until this just this year, earlier this year. Mm. And I held my first uh, event, which actually was more of a, a retreat and a mastermind. I actually did my best to take everything I learned from all these events that I've attended as an attendee and as a support. And I was like, hey, how did I get this all into five nights <laughs> in Cabo, Mexico? And even, bec- even though I had all this experience and all this stuff, I still, after the fact, Realize that there's so many things that could have done differently to have improved the, the customer, the attendee experience, which reminds me of like, Hey, you're never done. And to your point in the beginning, it's important to have a coach pour new, talk to somebody who's done several events and can help avoid making some of those mistakes. So yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. There's nothing. And I also love that you shared that because I, I feel there's a lot of people and I've witnessed this over the past 14 years of being in the industry of those who love events and they see the power of them. And there's that voice in them. That's like, I'll do an event someday, or yeah, I'm going to be up there someday. Or there's the other people on the other side who is like, they shouldn't be up there. I should be up there, but they ain't doing shit about it. Right? So I really want to acknowledge you for really taking that leap because I believe that's what true leadership is. And there are, industry leaders who are usually have the biggest businesses, the biggest lists, the biggest reach. And I want to make a distinction that there are also leaders of industries and leaders of industries bring people together in person. They are gathering their communities, but also the other leaders to come and to talk about what they're doing next. If we look at some of the biggest companies like Salesforce, for example, like such a staple of their whole brand and why they are a, Industry leader and a leader of that industry is because of their huge event. Uh, if we look in the marketing space of ClickFunnels, ClickFunnels would not be the brand that it is without Funnel Hacking Live. Like they have created such a raving fan base where so many marketers, like that's a staple event every year. And so I really start to look at that of like, okay, there's a lot of, especially in the online space of so people who have like great brands and followings and those who really are. Like the true leaders, I believe, are the ones who are bringing people together in person because it really takes leadership. You can't hide behind your screen in a camera and have a script your notes off to the side. You are there and you are there in front of your community and people are feeling you. It's not just the words that you Mm -hmm. say and the clever things that you've come up with with your scripts and you're following all these formulas they really get to feel the embodiment of that. And that takes leadership. So I really want to reflect that to you and acknowledge you for that because it takes courage to be able to draw the line in the sand and to invite people into a bigger possibility for themselves by coming to your event. So I want to give you the acknowledgement. And I'm curious, what did you learn from that? Like if you can just share what what was the top highlight of what you will continue to do that you did really well? And then maybe share with us one or two of the, sacred mistakes that you may have made that that you want to continue to not just get the lesson in that, but really extract the wisdom so you can take that with you moving forward.
0: Yeah. Happy to share, Alex. Uh, by the way, I'm going to ask the same question of you here about your abundance amplifier event. <laughs> because I know there are a lot of golden nuggets there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as simple as this is, I'm going to share a really simple thing. So obvious, so simple. So just under the nose. <laughs> have the proper paperwork ready <laughs> at the beginning of your event, the consent form, the uh, whatever medical forms are required is have them ready, have them signed. Thankfully we didn't have anybody that we had to had any concerns with when it comes to that, but it was just after the fact, like of all the big things we thought about, how did we just not think about the simplest, you know, like basic media form, consent form, medical form, if something would have happened that could have been bad. Right. But thankfully we, hand-curated, a very select group for this first experience, so not, nothing happened. But, hey, we did some high stake things. We were ATV riding. We were snorkeling. We were bungee jumping. We were going through some deep emotional processes. We were fasting. and We were doing a lot of stuff that took the body and the mind to some places that it's not comfortable with, and something could have happened. <laughs> and, uh, and thankfully, nothing did, but that, as simple as that is, that was a no-brainer. Uh, number two. Gosh, I feel a little bit uh, vulnerable saying this, but I was so excited, so eager to want to just create the best experience possible. I actually made the promise to the attendees that I promise you this will be the best event you've ever attended. And I knew it was a bold promise, threw my head over the fence, and I was committed to that um, because I wanted to take everything I've learned over the years and just create the best experience possible. So I went all in and I had an agenda. I had almost every hour planned, 16 hours a day for... Five days, five and a half days, really five nights, five and a half days, and we did a lot in that time. And I had some people say that yes, it was the best event they've ever attended. But I had some people say, you know what, I was just beat. I was tired. I was worn. <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, uh, and then there's some things that they liked and didn't like. You know, and some of the things that they didn't like was how I kind of overly structured the event. You know, I kind of uh, drove their experience maybe too much. Didn't allow for enough space for freedom for free time for things to evolve over the meals and that sort of thing i just had it that if there was any dead time it would be a a, a problem you know so that was one of the big things that sobering experience that i got into feedback was like you know some people didn't think it. some people thought it was the best event in their life some people didn't and it was primarily because they thought it was too much i put too much into an event so uh something else so i'll share
1: on the uh, real quick on that real quick let me me just highlight that because those are two really impactful lessons that i've shared with clients many many times over the years and again you may hear it a lot but getting the embodied experience of like wow this thing could have happened and we could have mitigated it by just having the proper planning in place by having a checklist of hey here are all of the details that you as the visionary and as the leader should not worry about, but the team can. So that's consent forms, that's you know making sure registration is seamless, that's putting all the pieces in place to be set up to allow you to be into the organic nature of events, which is to your second point of, yes, we wanna create structure, there's a journey that we're taking them down. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see in the opportunity is to allow for the organic nature and magic of what happens in person to evolve into trust and to be able to guide where the energy is going of where the people are at. And so allowing for that space is so important. And so also having the space for people to also connect and to have like scheduled space and structure it for, hey, this is where organic stuff is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but we have it scheduled in there so that we're we're allowing for. For those things to for those things to to also arise. So that's really what I got from your share that I wanted to highlight.
0: Thanks, brother. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and a couple of things I'll say on the positive side, so things I've learned that were that worked really well. Um, I'm gonna go for the biggest things. Uh, making sure that I'm meeting all of their needs as far as Tony Robbins talks about this idea of the six human needs, right as a big metaphor or a big thing to think about. So there's the, you know, the physical needs, but there's also the, you know, the certainty, uncertainty, uh, need for connection and, and love, um, uh, need for significance or to feel important, right? Those are like the needs of the, the body, <laughs> um, in the mind, but then there's needs of the spirit. And Tony talks about those being, you know, growth and contribution. So yes, I wanted to make sure that they had a phenomenal personal experience. that they got a lot of personal value, um, that their body was taken care of, their minds were taken care of, but also to actually look for how do I meet the needs of the spirit at this event. So one of the things that we did is, uh, this was this event was in Cabo, we uh, we actually did a showing of a movie called The Blue Miracle. It's a great Disney movie and tells a short story of a, an orphanage in Cabo that, you know, basically is about to go bankrupt. These kids are going to be on the street and then this person comes in and through a miracle and a fishing competition with the kids ends up raising the funds for the orphanage to not only stay the doors open, but to expand. So we watched this movie in this beautiful courtyard, great food and all this. And at the end of the movie, I said, did you like the movie? Yeah, great. Tomorrow morning, 7am, the buses will be here, we're going to the orphanage and you are going to play soccer with these kids. And tell you what, man, that was one, one it was inconvenient because it was early in the morning, but people were so excited to get up and to get there and to meet these kids and to get to play with these kids. And we played soccer for hours on end with them. And, uh, and you know, I remember leaving, leaving there, everybody was happy, but in the talking to them afterwards, they're like, that was the best part of the whole thing. They felt so good that they could contribute and just be part of that, that experience. You know, so it wasn't just about masterminding on how to make more money or how to lose more weight or whatever. It was like, how do I be partially bigger than myself? And by and large, that experience was on almost every feedback form as like one of the highlights of their whole experience. Hmm. Which I think could be a great um, point uh, to talk about something you and I talked about in the green room here is. The things that go beyond the sales and marketing of an event, <laughs> like the energetics of an event and the 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 other things that marketers oftentimes are clueless about, as we as we talked about. But uh, yeah, I want to turn it over to you, Alex, and I, I'd love for you to share about your experience at the Abundance Amplifier event that where you brought together. You were, as you said, a leader of industries, industry leaders, and leader of industry. You became a leader of industry. You created your own industry, your own. Niche between putting together a mastermind, um, you know, a music festival. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was a couple of different things. It it was like a little bit of Burning Man, a little bit of (laughs) so many things. And and more importantly, the people that were there were world class. Like between your speakers and your attendees were all people that were six, seven, eight figure plus earners. And we were all there in this incredible experience that you created. So if you want to share about that experience, I, I would love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for asking the question where the timing of the question, where I'm at now and reflecting back on it is it'll be a different conversation than we've had previously about it. Cause I've had a lot of new insights in being able to also look back at the experience. And so the Abundance Amplifier is the world's first music festival mastermind. And it's kind of like if a high level business mastermind, a flow state retreat or a biohacking retreat and a music festival all had a baby. And it came from the experiences that I've had. Of like, I've looked back at my life of what have made the biggest difference for me and my evolution, not just as an entrepreneur and a leader, but just as a human. And what have what what have what are the things that have made me really proud of who I am? And the three things that came up was the business masterminds of which we talked about a little bit. Where even uh, that mentor who I shared with you about when I first started in the industry at 21 years old he brought me around to all of the seven-figure mastermind rooms when i was 21 which i had no business in being in those rooms and just through osmosis of being there and seeing the examples it was so impactful and so powerful just to see how see the possibility of how people not just operate in business but how they operate in their lives of what support did they put in place how do they how do they structure their lives to account for and nourish and Prioritize family. And I really got that experience, you know, from a young age of 21. I'm 34 now. And so being in those rooms has been so impactful. And really the relationships that are built there and just the magic of that, of just being in a room full of of who's, you know, and Dr. Benjamin Hardy's book, uh, and Dan Sullivan, Who Not How, we mentioned the green room as well. Uh, I was just on a call with Dr. Benjamin Hardy and yesterday, actually. And He shared that really in looking at going 10x that's a big part if you haven't read his book to 10x is easier than 2x huge phenomenal book um and he shared that every business owner is literally one who away from 10x like so these rooms and being a part of the in-person communities and not just being on our social media and behind screens which are impactful tools but to be there in person and to have the investment of your time and energy to really build relationships is so impactful and so important. So that was the one aspect to it. And then in having a big mission and wanting to make a big difference in the world and also going through all the challenges of, you know, growing a seven figure business is what's really helped me, especially with having the challenges with my speech was all the transformational technologies and the personal development that I've done in the embodiment work of not just the mindset work, but the true embodiment work to really change on a cellular level of everything from the spiritual realms to the neurofeedback mindset realms, to also the physicality of like fitness and who we are when we put ourselves through hard things like uh, cold plunges and doing breath work and creating that intentional hermetic stress on the body to really build our resilience so that we can show up in life and respond versus react. So those elements were so impactful for me that I wanted to share. And then there was the component of my life of music festivals, which I love electronic music, uh, house, deep house, techno, like I've been going to festivals for 15 years and I've had some of my biggest spiritual and personal breakthroughs, not when I'm like at a Tony Robbins event, which is nothing wrong with that, Well, as I'm there with my closest friends, listening to my favorite DJs and just feeling the energetic frequency of the experience of, wow, and just having the realization of, I look around, there's tens of thousands of people around me from all different races, religions, backgrounds, sexual orientation, like all, it doesn't matter. Like this frequency transcends all of the separation and we're all there together and experiencing the same thing. So I looked at how do I combine all of these into an experience that truly helps people who are playing life at the highest level come back to themselves and really get to, I would say their truth of what's most important to them from the world of entrepreneurship that usually looks like they've built an incredible career and business and they're making a big difference And a lot of their identity is tied up in that. So I wanted to provide a context for them, for them to look at their lives and to treat the other areas of their lives just as important as they've treated their business. So at that event, it was designed for everyone to have their own experience to define what their abundance amplifier is. And what I define as your abundance amplifier is, what is the area of your life that you need to pump energy into that is gonna create the next quantum leap? It's usually the area that you haven't paid attention to. so that could be your family, it could be your uh, romantic relationship, it could be your health. And when what I find is when we prioritize that 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 one area of our life really quantum leaps everything else. So when a concrete example is our health like we know in in growing the businesses that we want to to make the difference that our, our physical energy is so important. And if we've been ignoring it and if we don't have the physical energy to perform and to lead, then that's going to that's going to have an impact over time. And when we do that and we pump energy into it, there's a quantum leap available. Uh, my own personal example of that is I call it, I've been playing life on hard mode, where if I'm up late, I'm not sleeping, I'm using stimulants like coffee or caffeine, coffee, and caffeine and all these different supplements that I'm taking to offset the fact that I just haven't slept the proper amount. So I'm waking up in a deficit. That is playing life on hard mode. And I'm still working through that. Um, currently, it's one of my biggest priorities right now is to really get that part of my life dialed in because even though I've created what I've created, which I'm like so grateful for and very proud of, that that part has also been on hard mode. So it's looking at what are the areas of our life to where we can turn this one dial that will be the first domino to really unlock everything else. It could be the relationship. Like if your relationship or your marriage is in turmoil or not in turmoil, but it's just not where you want it to be. Imagine what's possible if that is solid and that is the foundation to allow you to truly grow. So Rudy, I know I didn't answer your question yet of like the lessons from the event, but I just wanted to set the context for what the intention of the event was because I wanted to just be an example of what it was like to create it as I didn't have a model. I couldn't look at anyone else who was doing it. And I really had to stop outsourcing my power to everyone else and to look at what we've been taught in the industry of success leaves clues, model success, don't reinvent the wheel. Yes, all of that. I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel, but we do need to put our own like rims on it. So that it is a, a congruent expression of who we are, and that is where the true power of of creativity of the human expression comes out, and that's felt from your audience. And when you know how to leverage that, and you are living that, then the profitability of making millions of dollars at your events experience that comes as a natural byproduct of the congruence to the vision, to your integrity of how you're showing up to how seriously you're taking your leadership and preparation for leading it. And that is felt throughout. And that's what makes sales effortless for those events. So I'm going to pause there and I'm going to have you ask me another question to go into what do you want to know in the concrete details about Abundance Amplifier?
0: Yeah, that, by the way, that, that's great. I think it's gonna be a great le- way to talk about sales at events here, um, which is so interesting. Like That's what you and I are most known for is so what we do that. You know, brief results and so much of our conversation is about everything else because sales is like a byproduct (laughs) of all these things that we're talking about. People just focus on get more sales, get more sales. They don't realize all the other byproducts, the energy, the intentions, the framings, the experience from the beginning, all these things that I know we'll talk about here in a moment. So so stay tuned. (laughs) Um so abundance amplifier, specific question. Great question. Top Three mistakes that or lessons learned, you say, because mistakes are really just lessons in disguise, right? So three mistakes are lessons learned. Um, f- I think for our audience that they can really walk away with them, like, okay, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was uh I won't make that mistake.
1: <laughs> totally. So in what I just shared of I I set myself up to do that event on hard mode. And it was for me, it was also just, it was soul. Like it was a soul-based decision. It didn't make any logical sense of me doing the event in that time frame. of me doing that event in the same year of Jennifer and I getting married. Uh, and really, I did the event in 60 days, which you saw the just production of the Burning Man art installation, the music festival, like quality production of our sound and our, our lighting and our lasers to the quality of just the, like some of my heroes for years that said yes to come and speak and to share and to be a part of the event, not just to come in and fly out and speak, but to really participate and to be there for what the ethos and what the vision is of the event. So I played life on hard mode for that event for not giving myself the proper planning for it in the proper planning, not just for myself, but for my team. So I would say that was a, a, a mistake in, not just the lesson, but the wisdom extracted to be able to set not just myself up, but my teams up for success and to really have the proper amount of time to look at all of the details necessary to create my vision. And so again, my vision was something I'd never created before and the different components to it. And again, that was what I learned was what was truly required for an experience like that that's never been done before. And I, I want to caveat that though, because also there's oftentimes we have false beliefs around how long it will take, where I've had clients who want to run a retreat with 10 people and they put it a year out. Like that's that's totally not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, and again, it goes back to what we shared earlier of, get guidance on this, have a mentor, have a coach, reach out to one of your your peers who have the embodied experience of running events to get their perspective of what what does it actually take? And to be able to set a container for that that you can go after to really set yourself up, your clients up who are gonna come to attend and your teams up to really be successful. So that's the first lesson is have the proper planning in place And to set yourself and your teams up to be able to execute it with excellence and to really create your vision for it. Because events are the best portal for a quantum leap in your income, uh, in your impact, and also in your development as a leader. The second mistake I would say I learned from that event is, is I got such a deeper cut. Like I really, I had such a deeper cut in a lot of the the just teachings that I share with my clients of events are, it's a training ground for our personal evolution. So a part of that, of setting the event is one thing and all the business sales and marketing stuff that we need to do to fill it and the planning and all that is the first step. But also what are we doing as the leader to prepare to be the versions of ourselves that lead that event and execute the vision with excellence? And so for me, I didn't take care of myself in the way that I knew I should have. So it's also a biohacking, like music festival mastermind. So I wasn't getting the proper amount of sleep. I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't working out in the way that I knew I needed to. Like I, I definitely wanted to be physically fit for the aesthetics of what I wanted to portray myself as and be confident in which is an important piece to highlight. And there's no ego in that. There's just that for me, and that was for me, not based upon how I'd be perceived, but I wanted to feel good in my own body based upon where I was physically. And I didn't take the proper steps to really prioritize my health. And so Hmm. in leading up to the event, I burnt out. Like a week before the event, I shared this with you privately in a few of my inner circle of, I got pretty sick the week before, uh, and I was on antibiotics. I was on steroids uh, at the event because it was necessary. And I am i only go to those tools because they are tools when absolutely necessary. And it was 100% necessary. I, there was no question. I was like, bring out the big guns. Western medicine is there and designed for moments like this. So a week before the event, I was like, I was, I was down for the count, you know, and it was, it was very scary for me. Like I was terrified because this was oh. the event of my dreams. And I also got the, not the lesson, but I'm extracting the wisdom to really set myself up from the planning perspective as well for my health to be prioritized so that I'm physically and energetically in the state to lead the event that is in my vision. So that's the second mistake of really not physically training and not just from the, the physical aesthetics, but from the health and wellness perspective of getting the amount out of sleep, really being like vigilant uh, with my supplements and what I'm eating and to really set myself up to be that version of myself physically and energetically, emotionally, spiritually to be in the exact place I needed to be to lead the event. Second mistake. Third mistake, Mm. I would say, mm, and this uh, this one was like a very humbling experience for me as I've had a brand built around making the events super profitable. And I haven't shared this publicly yet. I have uh, the, the, the planning for it and I haven't shared it publicly yet because I believe what I see online a lot is the industry understands when you are very vulnerable, that creates connection. And I believe that most people don't understand what vulnerability means when you share it online. And they don't, just transparently, I don't think they do it right. I, and the way that I'll share that is, if there's something vulnerable that has happened, do not process your wounds out on your platforms. That's my suggestion. I suggest that you share about your lessons when it's a scar, not when it's an open wound that still needs stitches. And it literally has been an open wound, Rudy, until about three, four weeks ago that I was still like, not like, literally, I couldn't look at the amazing video footage and give feedback on it for six months after the event. Like it was, it was, I was still in my process around it because there, so what happened was up until Abundance Amplifier, every single event that I've ran has been wildly profitable. I've, I had 100% track record and on the event itself, I lost about 315 grand on the event. And that was because a deeper cut of the lesson of proper planning. Um, and with the offer for the event, I I didn't give myself the, the, the amount of time to really truly honor what I was gonna lead people into next. And so, hmm. I'm proud of though that I really held the integrity of the promise of the event and the, the experience where I did make an offer, but I whipped it together last minute, which I've done many times in my past and I've done it for clients in the past and it's always worked. And when the offer didn't land, I have a level of absolute mastery, like absolute mastery of recrafting it on the spot and creating what the repitch is to be able to drive sales and to do it in a way that's really high integrity and to to still get the result. Like it's one of my greatest gifts and I've done it over and over again. And I was faced with a decision at the event when the offer didn't land that I could recraft it. I could really create an experience to really drive sales, but I made promises to 25 speakers. I had eight sponsors. I I was upholding all of the agreements that I had as the event host. And I was faced with a decision where do I cut someone's time? Do I say a speaker can't speak? Do I readjust the schedule to put myself first or do I really be the, the, the leader who I wanna be of the industry and really honor everything that I had to put in place already? And so that was a really tough decision. and. I knew in my heart and soul that I, I, if I would have like, just done something to drive sales, which I have a level of mastery over, which I could have done, that I would look back at that experience and I I would always look back at that and be like, man, I, I didn't show up in integrity and in congruence with myself with that. So I made the decision to just let it go and t- to trust. And I supported everyone else who was speaking and they were incredible and I did all that and I... I had to really take responsibility for my decision of doing the event in 60 days, of not allowing myself the proper space to craft an offer that I knew would convert and the experience creation of the offer and to be willing to face what I was gonna face on the other side of that. And it's literally taken me five or six months to be with that. And it has been some of the most challenging times and when I shared it with you know, my inner circle and they asked, man, are you going to do it again? Absolutely, fucking It was worth all the financial loss. It was worth the blood, sweat, and tears. All the nights in my office here, freaking like, crying of like, can I do this? Is this worth it? What am I doing? It was worth all of that times 10. It was worth all of that times 10. I would do it tenfold over again, exactly how it went down. It was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. And I was so proud of the experience of, what was created there and just the feedback from the attendees of the attention to detail of the entire experience and they felt just so cared for and the stories after of you know a gentleman who's who's lost like 60 pounds since the event and ha- hasn't had a girlfriend or hasn't dated in 10 years and is now back in the game or people who have found their partner who uh, or a business partner who has resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue and the impact of that and just the stories go on and on about it and the challenging part of like sitting with it, like, wow, like all this other stuff happened for everyone else, you know, of, you know, raising 70 plus grand for uh, genius recovery and all of this, all these things and me and my, you know, old identity of being the guy who runs super powerful and very profitable events. But that event was such a loss from the financial perspective and such a win for my new identity of who I'm becoming and to really, be able to look at the lessons and to really extract the wisdom from that of really learning and getting my stripes and, okay, if this is what I want to do, this is what I'm committing to is really le- leading the, the most transformative world-class experiences for the top performers in the world. This is the lessons, this is the curriculum that life is presenting me to evolve into that version of myself who really creates this platform. So. Those are the three lessons that I got from Abundance Amplifier. And yeah, this is the first time that I've shared it.
0: Wow. Thank you, Alex, for sharing that and sharing that here with us for the first time. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I got to be there front row seat firsthand witnessing your event um, and some of the stuff that happened before, during, and after. And and I I don't know if you recall this acknowledgement I gave you at the event. I stood up and I said, Alex, I acknowledge you for uh, the leader that you're being right now like in the midst of so many things which i knew some things were front facing i also knew some things that were back facing like in the midst of all this the way you were showing up was calm cool composed clear uh your intention was there your heart was there uh like from the outside could not tell that any that there was anything that was unperturbed that was that was bothering you whatsoever. like you just you're cu- cool as a cucumber man.
1: <laughs> Dude, I was on antibiotic I was I was not <laughs> I was, I was, but I, but it also it, that's the thing I love about events too. It's like you really get to see who you are under pressure, you know, and I think that's yeah. it's such a, a character building experience. And so I really appreciate that. and I had so much support from you know my my inner circle of support like you and so many of the others who were there. And I was able to show up for everyone and hold it. And I also got to see that as well of like really honoring just like my body as well, which was like operating at like 50%. And so I really appreciate that Of because I don't know, like I didn't know the experience. I didn't know how I was who, how I was coming off. And that was also my own internal dialogue to work through and to also just be in service of the event. Like that was my big outcome of like, really just like the integrity and the promise of why people were there and really honoring people's time of you know, some of the like my heroes who were there that was just such an honor like Dave Asprey and Yannick Silver and Amber Spears and just all these people who I've looked up to for years and to have them there, like I was so committed to making sure that they had such an extraordinary experience. And so I really appreciate you sharing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, brother. You're welcome. I actually there was a couple of moments where I, I think I was a little more stressed than you were. I'm like Alex, Alex. What about your offer? Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to make sure that you're, you know, you're coming out of this thing alive, so you can do the next one. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you, brother, for going through that and for just sharing with us so openly uh, the scar that just so recently healed just a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm just so looking forward to to the next version of not just the event, but you as you get married in the next you know week or so and Share your vows with the world and your witness. It's the next version of you as a human being, as a man. I know we talked about that quite a bit. Um, I love to talk a little bit about sales at events, you know, because that's what, you know, leads people forward. By the way, one quick note, when you said, I didn't take the time to think through what I wanted to lead them to. I love how you thought through that. You weren't saying I didn't think to take the time to think of what I wanted to pitch what I wanted to sell, right? Like, you know, where would I want to lead people? And I'll share as well, you know, I held my retreat. Um, I had time on the schedule set aside for, for me to discuss the future. And um, and I had a mixed company. So I had some paying clients. I had some team members. I had a, quite a few people here. And I was thinking, like, what is the future that I want to lead them through? And quite honestly, I, uh, I wasn't quite clear. I wasn't 100% clear. And I think because of that clarity, I hesitated and I, I, I ended up filling the time with other things and I didn't take the time to really take that stand. And now in reflecting, that's probably the greatest mistake is that was such precious opportunity to really lead, not to sell, to lead, to create that compelling vision, to to move people forward into some actions that'll ultimately better their lives. So thank you for the way you think through that. I really respect and appreciate your approach to sales, enrollment, leadership. And um, I'm just so grateful that you're willing to share this with me. That being said, I'd love to talk about old school versus new school or new methods when it comes to sales at events.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's get into some tactics and, and yeah. strategy because it's, it's so important. The, 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 financials, the profitability of the event is wildly important. I got that lesson hundred <laughs> percent and, I'm excited for this because I I've been selling live at events, um, in the back of the room for, I mean, when I was, I started when I was 21. And so I've really had just such, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to see the evolution of sales at events and what used to work back in the day. Yes or Yes. Yes. or Yes. Who wants to make more money? Who wants to have more time freedom? Like that stuff used to work and (laughs) it was wild that it worked, but it worked. And to really see the evolution of also just even where the world's at right now of the level of uncertainty of the level of skepticism and what that. All points back to two for me is trust, how do we build trust and for me it's leadership means I go first and so are we leading in embodying and being congruent with what we're teaching like are we living it not just saying it, but are we living it so. Again, I wanted to create like a quick mental frame and I promise we'll get into the tactics, but that's it's so important because your highest level clients that will pay 50 to 100 plus grand to work with you, they will feel that and that's what they're looking for. So I wanted to lay that frame to make sure that the energetics are laid down. They're incredibly important. And if you don't believe in energy, uh, we have these things called cell phones that uh, create electromagnetic frames electromagnetic waves which is energy that connect to invisible things that we can't see that literally give us the answer to any question that we'd have on our phones and so to think that we as humans don't pick up on energy is crazy and we actually do like there's times when you have walked into a room and you could feel someone's like sad or depressed or You can, you've also been there in rooms where people have made offers and you get the emotional charge of yes, I need to do this. Or like, no, this feels like it's clear. Yes. Or a clear no. So the energetics are so important to the event and to the sales process. And it also just needs to be congruent to who you are. Even though I train on business, we have a, a very strong, or my frame is very strong in the transformation, in the person, in the personal development frame to not just create the seven-figure event, but to become the version of yourself who leads that and who creates that and who embodies that. So just to set that frame first, when it comes to sales at the event, I want to talk about pre-event, during the event and after, because most people think that the sales process starts during the pitch. Like when someone wants to work with me, they usually say, hey, you know, can I hire you for consulting to just take a look at what the offer is? And they'll send me just the last, you know, half an hour of their pitch. And I'll say, no, it doesn't work like that. They'll say, okay, I got it, I got it. And then they'll send me the, the full 90 minute presentation, you know, with the testimonial panel and all that. And I was like, no, that's not how it works. The event is doing the enrollment process for you if it's designed in the proper way of what I would suggest. And that also starts with what is the first experience that they're having once they register. So it starts with, you know, the messaging of what gets people in that sales tickets that goes into the thank you page in the video that goes on that page that really indoctrinates them into your values, into your methodology, into the expectations for the event. That looks like your your nurture sequence in in the confirmation campaign that leads people up to the event. That looks like I suggest leading a training online before the event to again, re-enroll them in to the possibilities of why they're coming because sometimes they forget they just buy the ticket and they forget <laughs> and those who didn't forget it's still important to really get help them get clear to set them up for the highest probability for transformation and that's my come from if you want to do hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in sales at your event then you need to optimize for the highest probability of transformation and that looks like you know take that context of the pre-event training of really getting them connected to the vision and really getting connected to the problems that need to solve to then be able to show up for the event to have that frame to look for it when they're there live in person. So these are things that are incredibly important. Uh, Most people will also do a, a survey at the event or like an intake form at the event that their sales team then goes to look at like on the spot to see who are the best leads and to sell them, which is old school, I believe the new school way in the more modern evolved way is to send that to them beforehand so that you as the leader in your team can look at where are people actually at and how do we best serve them? How do we create the highest probability of value for everyone in the room based upon what they've shared with us? So that's just the the front end of it of what we can do to optimize sales. So I know that you are have a high level expertise in this as well, Rudy. So I would love for you to share of for the pre-events and when it comes to sales and to properly position and frame them, uh, what are some of the things that you see that is most effective for that?
0: Yeah. Thank you, Alex, for for sharing that. And what you share here was golden and golden, just this one five minute segment right here will, can make people hundreds of thousands, if not millions of or so. Go back, watch this, listen to this segment again of what Alex has shared. It is pure gold. A um, couple f- mental frames I want to share as well before I get into the tactics. Some of the things highlighting what you shared. I agree in a line that there's no sales doesn't happen in a vacuum. You can't just look at one sentence or one line or what's he's doing a pitch or you know it's the entire experience. It's the entire experience that causes sales. Sales is a byproduct of the experience. Um, Oftentimes people just confuse the call to action with being the sales, but there's so much that goes into influencing that decision. It also want, want to go to the frame, the, the mental frame of what is sales. All right. I actually like to look at sales as a form of leadership, a, a form of service, and I actually prefer to use the word enrollment. And that's more of a term that's used amongst transformational businesses and, and, and those sorts, because when people are enrolled, versus sold, they're doing it for their reasons, right? There are lots of tactics that use persuasion that works, that use NLP, all sorts that will move people forward. But if they're not moving people forward for their reasons, that's where regret and refunds happen. So there's a clear distinction between sales and enrollment. And I've worked with so many clients who've had, quote unquote, X number of sales coming out of their event, 500,000 million plus or whatever. But then when the dust settles, Half of that is collected, if not less. Why? Because they were sold and not enrolled. <laughs> right? So just so important to have that framework. Okay. Sales is enrollment. It's leadership. It's influence. It's, you know, it's service. Not just it's somebody to pull out the credit card and get them to to pay because that's a short game. The short game in today's world doesn't work so well with the internet and social media. <laughs> and now AI, like information gets out so fast. People have so much access to information. There's so much transparency out there that you cannot just gimmick your way into business. Um, so where was I going with that? Okay. So agreed. So to answer your question, asked before an event, I 100% agree with you. Getting information from your attendees, from the market instead of from the mine, like where are they at? Right. One of the most common mistakes that I see made is people buy a ticket, you know, or they get bonus a ticket as part of a program, 90 days out, six months out or what have you. And they just forget that that, events on the calendar that's events even happening and actually having a proper pre-event, uh, campaign set up, and not just with emails and text messages and all that, but actually human beings, that get on the phone and talk to people, real people and actually ask them, Hey, what do you hope to get out of this event? You know, it's actually a great question. Dan Sullivan, um, who's, a, I think, a mutual mentor to you and I, um, There's an ultimate question. Hey, imagine you attend this event and it's three years out from now. You're looking back, what had to happen at the event over the course of those three years that you're totally satisfied with the progress you've made personally and professionally, like painting that vision of like how that event's going to impact their lives and holding that vision and documenting it, right. And referencing it uh, as a leader, being able to study it, to know how to, you know, adjust your messaging and maybe your offerings but also as um, a sales professional who's maybe working with them individually to be able to remind them, like, Hey, you said, you want to get this at this event. How is that going for you? It's like, it blows people away when you say you're going to listen to them and you actually do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Like like he took the time to look at that and reference it. In fact, one of the events we did uh, a couple of years ago, it was a first time event for, uh, one of our clients that's on the show, successful in business, but hadn't done an event before. And I got a little bit of pushback on this. I was like, no, trust me, you got to do this pre-event survey. You have to do this process. And we did it. And we came to him and said, hey, these are the top five things that your people are telling you. And he from stage, he he pulls out the list and he says, Hey, we surveyed you guys. These are the things you told us. And you could just see the audience like leaning in. They were right there. You know, they could tell that they were being heard. And then in the enrollment process, we referenced those things in our scripts and our offerings and everything. And you know, it was a multi-million dollar event, not just in theory, no, like a million dollars cash collected on a weekend and or within a week, to be to be transparent. So within a week, a million dollars in the bank and another million in deliverables under contract, because we took the time to listen. <laughs> All right. What? Of course, there's other things we did right, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, go let's ahead. just highlight that for a moment. I wanna make sure that who is listening to this goes back and really like takes this in, is to really listen to your audience and to if you have an application or a survey, the market is sophisticated. They understand that this is probably used for your sales process at your event. That's Because that's the old way of doing it. And so if you want to evolve that, and if you wanna really show your audience that you care, what Rudy just shared is gold. Is to acknowledge it and yes to take time out of your event that is taking time away from your content that you prepared so much for to really share and to demonstrate that you listen in that hey this is what i thought you needed but based upon what you shared in your intake forms i just want to clarify is working on xyz thing. would that be valuable for everyone yes like and then to build that into the whole process that's where trust is built and that's where enrollment happens at the highest levels like especially when if you're selling a twenty-five, a fifty, a hundred thousand-dollar offer, those are the things that matter. So just wanted to highlight that.
0: Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate the highlight on that. And uh, yeah, I would say step number one, you know, same sales is get attention. Step number two, build trust, right? And there's no better way to build trust, I think, but to have people feel like they're heard and understood. There's a saying that goes, if you can describe somebody's problem better than they can, they trust you. That's simple right? Taking the time. I understand their problems. In fact, there's so many great books out there and that won't reference right now, but basically say step number one is understand their problem. If you don't understand the problem, you have no business selling to them. You have no business talking to them, you know, leading them. If you don't understand their problem, that's, there's no, nothing you can do really from there. So, yeah, I think we align on that is before the event, whether between preparation and getting the information and listening to your audience, that's a step that so often gets missed. And we just focus on promotion and ticket sales and you know what I'm gonna sell them when they get there and they forget to actually check in with their audience.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that. So let's go to at the event. There are an infinite amount of things that we can share here. I, the thing that I wanna highlight is for those who are leading the event of when making the offer. So I wanna just really dive into that because that will set up the sales for the event, whether people buy straight from the offer or it's setting up your sales team to be able to have a much smoother conversation to get someone enrolled in their vision by investing in your programs. So a few quick things that I wanna share around the offer is making sure that it's clear. I th- think that's the one of the biggest mistakes is a, a lot of, my clients who come to me who may be doing a quarter million, a half million, some even seven figures at their events already is that the offer itself isn't clear. Like it's not clear of what the outcomes are. It's not clear of what the problems are. And I love how you highlighted, highlighted understanding the problem. I would add to that. It's being able to communicate what their problem is to them so they feel understood. And then also showing of how, what they think the problem is, is actually not what the problem is and to go a layer deeper into crafting that into what your solution is so the ability to do that and to walk them through it at during the pitch is incredibly important and to also as you're walking through the offer is to slow down so many people get nervous which i get it i it's it it's a high energy experience there's tension in the room and that tension is your best friend so your ability to be with the tension and to embody your leadership with it is incredibly important and a part of just doing that tactically is to slow down is to make Mm. each step of the offer clear of hey Mm. the first step in solving xyz thing is hey we're going to do this you're going to start off where, you know, in two months we have an in-person retreat where we go exactly through a blueprint. If I'll, I'll just share mine, if I'm helping someone with an event, is to really get clear of what is your your whole roadmap of what you want the next year to look like in your uh, in your revenue goals, and your time freedom goals, and to really build your first event around that being the vehicle to get you there. Because if you, are not clear on what is this actually for for you and your emotional charge isn't there for it, then your subconscious patterning, patterning will come up and you will sabotage. So getting the roadmap clear and then getting clear of what the outcomes are for you and is the first step, then it's about filling the room. So getting clear on the messaging to be able to craft your messaging to attract the right type of person in the room. So you really wanna go for quality over quantity And that looks like really having a true upgrade in your messaging to speak to the exact person who you want in the room. And again, when you communicate their challenges better than they can, they automatically credit you with having the solution, right? So just an example of walking through it and walking through the benefits and the problem is so important in what so many event leaders miss when they're going through the pitch. And so that's a component to it. And I'll just, uh, the last one that I'll share On that is with the call to action of making that clear, are they filling out the application are they. Are they are in with the application do they have time for that or is there a break or what is that process, so that you can create certainty for them. Of what their next step is so having those details clear is really important and to be able to rehearse them and to practice them so that looks like you taking the time to rehearse what the call to action is and to look in the mirror and to make sure that it's clear. And it's also something that you're not doing for the first time on stage, I would highly recommend. Can you do it without that? Of course, I've done it many times. And really getting, ha- having clarity for your audience to have the certainty to make a decision to invest in your program to change their life. It's so important to have the clarity and the detail of what the next steps are. So that could sound like, hey, so for the next 20 minutes, we're going to put on some writing music and we're gonna give you the opportunity to fill out the application. And even for those of you who who aren't considering joining us right now, we highly encourage you that you actually just fill out the application because it's a process for you to get clear on what's next for you. So even if if we're not the one for you, no worries at all. If you wanna work with someone else to help you with this, all good but go through the process of filling out the application because it'll help you really get clear of what you need support with and what your next steps are whether it's with us or with someone else so we'll have 20 minutes and then after that for those of you who who are ready then we'll 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 break and you can turn your application in and meet with someone on our team and if not then and for those, of you, for, for those of you who may need to think about it, who may need to talk to a, a partner, who may need to make a phone call, no worries, you have until, you know, create a deadline, you have until tomorrow at lunch to make your decision, because at that point, this program actually starts, we'll be doing a, a welcome lunch tomorrow, so the deadline for you to make your decision is tomorrow before lunch, because we want to really set you up for success to really get clear and to also set up your calendar and to give you a specialized training to make sure that you you get the most out of the program and you you get your 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 roi as quickly as possible so something like that just so you're creating certainty for them and clarity of what their next steps could be so i'll pause there and the steps after that for the sales process and some of the the mechanics and the tactics for that as far as team goes rudy i'd love to hear from you on what what you would suggest and what you've seen is effective from that perspective.
0: Absolutely, man. Happy to share. And before I do, I want to highlight a couple of my takeaways and areas of emphasis on what you shared. Um, the idea of when you make your offer, you have to uh, slow down. right? Uh, one of my mentors, Scott DeMullen, who's a speaker trainer for many decades, uh, he also says you got to calm down as well because it's not just slow down, but it's it's calm down internally right? Like center, ground, take the stage, own the room, like be methodical, just have that inner peace, inner calmness. People pick up on that, right? <laughs> um, and the other thing that you mentioned is being super clear about those next steps, right? Uh, no guesswork, right? People want to be led. You have to show them what the next steps are. Uh, I love that you, you make sure that there's a a break, you said 20 minute break to go take action and make sure those actions are clear. So oftentimes I see um, event leaders uh, making call to action and then like immediately rolling into the next thing, right? Or breaking breaking the tension by starting to answer questions even. So that's a very counterintuitive thing, by the way. That's a critical counterintuitive thing that, will save you or make you so much money is like once you have that tension and once you create the call to action it's time to drop the mic <laughs> and allow for that tension in the room to be there because people need to break that tension with, with their action or inaction right if we just go into Q&A then all of a sudden it's like wait do I listen or do I go make a decision like not sure so that tension is your friend as you were as you're mentioning before can be your friend so yeah what you shared there was was gold man uh, other thing you talked about was an application, right? Say, hey, fill out the application and and uh, go to the back of the room. And that's actually where I want to pick up on, you know, the team, the logistics and the process that goes into that. A couple things. One, talk about the application and then I'll talk about the team. So there's so many application processes that I see that are just not honored. And what I mean by that is, you know, say, hey, fill this out. And we're going to review it. We're going to let you know if you're approved in the program. And quite honestly, People don't really look at either. They don't look at them. You're not listening to them or not acknowledging them or they don't care what's on them. They just want to ex- take them the money, <laughs> right? They're just like, All right, give me the money. I'll look at it later. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it just screams gimmick. If you give an application and you don't even look at it and you're just asking them for their money, it's clear that you didn't actually care or it didn't matter right? Which makes them think, hey, do I matter? Do you care about me? If you don't care about my application, do you care about me? Right? So here's the, the problem solution when it comes to the application and the benefit of it. So Thank you, John. the problem is when you bring people into your community, into your program without any sort of proper selection process, all it takes is one person to come in with expectations. I don't want to say good apple, bad apple. I don't like to use those, those good and bad, all it takes is one person that has expectations that are not in alignment with what you're delivering to come in and get upset. And all it takes is that one person to get upset, to cause what I'll call like a cancer track, that one cell that then goes off to another cell. And like you were talking, all of a sudden there's a private WhatsApp group and all of a sudden they're like, okay, how do we, you know, get our money back? Or how do we, uh, you know, take over this group or, you know, this kind of thing. And I think fundamentally, I don't believe that there's good people and bad people. It's it's expectations that weren't properly managed. And by the way, that doesn't mean it's your fault as an event leader. You could have had everything spelled out so clearly in writing, but if they weren't fully present, fully aware, or they were listening to whatever filter they were listening through, like it can still be misunderstood. In fact, most miscommunications are miscommunications. But having that application process in place where they write out what they're expecting, what they want to get what they want to avoid, what they want most, all these questions. And then we can talk about application questions for quite a while, but point is they're documenting their expectations, including their problems and their desires. Then it's actually actually getting reviewed by a member of the staff, ideally the sales professional who has that relationship with them. i will talk about that in a moment. And then actually referenced in conversation with them, man, one, yes, it's, it's going to help you figure out, okay, whose expectations are totally off base and how do you reframe, those expectations or dig deeper. Maybe like Alex, you point out, if somebody got burned in the past, right? That's a yellow flag like you were talking about. Digging there to see, is that person willing to take personal responsibility? right? Or are they gonna just carry that forward into your program? And these these things can only be uncovered when there's an actual application, an actual human being has taken time to look at it and have a conversation with them about it. So I can't stress enough, the, the power of an application that is honored honored, not gimmicked. Now, let's talk about the salesperson, right? Who is managing the application. So why have a salesperson at your event, right? Here's what normally happens. Here's the pro- problem solution. So here's the problem. You do a great job. You did everything Alex just described. You are calm, cool, collected. You planned your event so well uh, for months. You had a great experience. You moved the audience. And then all of a sudden, you did such a great job that you have 50 100 hundreds of people moving to the back of the room and they're met with one a line two probably have questions and they're probably speaking to either a volunteer or a customer service rep who god bless their intention they're not the skilled salesperson right and there's a difference there's a difference right if somebody has a question Oftentimes it's, there's an actual question below the question and a skilled person is actually able to tune into that and handle that concern. Whereas a, a volunteer is just going to be excited or a customer service rep is just going to want to please them. But like to be able to actually listen for what people are actually communicating and get to the underlying concerns and actually move them into action makes a world of difference. So there's multiple things here, but under, the underlying principle is this concept called the law of diminishing intent. So once people have shown intent Every minute that goes by, every hour that goes by, every day that goes by without them taking action, the, the probability of them actually following through goes down exponentially. There's all sorts of studies done on this concept. Even Harvard did a study similar to this years ago. And you think about it, you've done all this work. You have this, this you've you've created this compelling vision. You ask them to go to the back of the room, but because there's a long line or because they don't get their questions answered or because they have objections, they walk away and they say, I'm gonna think about this. I like it, I'm inspired by it, but I'm gonna think about it. And guess what? People who think about it oftentimes don't come back. God forbid they leave the event and they're thinking about it. The probability that they're actually going to follow through is almost zero. I'd probably say for sure less than 10%, but closer to zero, right? So that's the problem. All that effort, people leave and boom, you lost the opportunity to lead them moving forward. So solution. So what's the solution? Solution is having a trained, not just a professional, but a team, right? Because it's not just one person, especially if you're moving 50 people to the back of the room. It's having a person and a team that is managing the process, ready to receive them. Probably has already built a pre-existing relationship with them. Probably has already set up some time, scheduled time, with them, not just, hey, let's, let's connect later, but actually set proper time with them so that once they're moved to action, they can actually speak with the human being that like actually has a relationship with it and actually handle their concerns and actually move them into action there while they're in state, while they're in the buying state, the action state, the container, of the event. You know, small yeses lead to big yeses. It doesn't have to be that you collect hundred grand on the spot, but it could be, hey, all right, you've got some questions. Let's schedule that time here tomorrow. Or let's secure that $500 deposit so that there's intent. Or let's make sure we finish that application so that they're taking the next action. And if you're doing that with the masses, and you, if you don't have a professional team, I promise you, I guarantee you, you are leaving tens of thousands, if not potentially millions of dollars on the table.
1: Just taking that one in and just all of the file folders of uh, mistakes that I've made when I was doing back of sales, or if I was managing the sales team, or I'm making the offer and my sales team are doing the things. <laughs> and I would just want to highlight with that one that I agree with everything that you're sharing. And a perspective that I would invite people to be open to is when you're making the invitation and people are feeling it in their body of like, I need to do this. There's a window of transformation that opens And as time goes on, that window gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And so being able to stick a wedge in there to have them stay open to their possibility versus their subconscious to stay at baseline, that's what we're fighting against here. And that's what it takes to lead people through their own patterning and shit to get a different result in their life. That's why they're there. That's what they want. That's what your program's about. So I just want to just add that one little component to it that if to, look, to think of it from that way because there's a lot of tactics in there. And again, the like energetics of it is really important. And I believe that frame for my team definitely has allowed my teams to really stand for people. Like leadership for me, it means standing for someone in their vision to help them make a decision that they believe is best for them versus them going back into their patterning of staying where they're at. So that's the only thing that I wanted to just to provide a little additional frame for that of how I would invite some, if you're, especially if you were having a transformational event to really think about it. And I think let's go on to uh, after the event of, there's two components that I wanna talk about is the making sure that the, that wedge of transformation like sticks in for those who did say yes. So you've talked about, uh, people having different regrets and refunds after uh, after that uh, the the process of of investing at the event and then also the other element of follow up because i do i do find that there is an extra 10 sometimes even 20 25% of sales that is available after the event and so i would love to just chat briefly around some different strategies strategies of what you've seen works best for what the best aftercare of the event is from a sales perspective.
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, the same They say the fortune is in the follow-up. Um, I, I agree with that, but I also believe the fortune's in the response time, which we just discussed a lot of diminishing intent. So it's not just about following up, but it's about um, having a set time for follow-up and a timely time to follow up while that window is decreasing, as you said. Uh, there's a, uh, an acronym, uh, I, I learned years ago from someone I followed online, a mentor in my industry. He, he said, uh, It stuck with me today. He said, Bam, fam, B A M, F A M. Book a meeting from a meeting. Because if it's not on the calendar, it's not real. Then you're mm-hmm. putting out energy to try to chase and guess and all these things. Book a meeting from a meeting. So leaving the event, uh, regardless of what state, whether they pay their balance in full, they're on a payment plan, they have signed a contract. Maybe they've expressed interest, but they haven't yet moved forward. Um, whatever the, the status is, that it's actually on the calendar, that it's scheduled, and that it happens ideally within 72 hours of the event, I would say, no more than the week after the event. Beyond that, people are moving on to potentially another event, or just life is getting in the way, and you, like you said, they get back to their subconscious baseline. Right. So it's our moral responsibility to lead them beyond the event to to continue the journey through follow up. Uh, And that can be pretty tough as an event leader. I mean, Alex, just the way you were describing, like you were beat, man, like you said, at your event by antibiotics and steroids and everything. Could you imagine like doing 50 follow up calls three days after your (laughs) event?
1: I I can imagine it. I I don't like what I'm imagining, but I can imagine it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, as an event leader, like your gift is is leading the event, right? And the way you can serve yourself and others, in my opinion, is by having a professional or professionals who can do that for you, uh, can do that for you, and can report to you. Can you know make sure they have recordings, proper contracts that are signed, proper future pacing. What I mean by future pacing is, you know, once they bought the program that that the next steps are properly described to them and what they can expect and that they're actually scheduled to show up for their kickoff call, you know, later that week or the next week, by the way, that kickoff call is so critical. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people will leave an event and in state they, they drop 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 into a new possibility, a new future but then they leave and all of a sudden their their friends and family like, you did what? Why'd you do that? And if they're not left with like a clear next step, a clear like, okay, this program starts on Friday, I have my next call with my mentor, you know, and it's on the calendar. If they're not left with that, then they start to get second guess themselves. They start to wonder, They start to maybe regret, right? Again, it's not one thing that is the sale. It's a whole experience, a whole process that we described prior, but that's a critical part. It's like what happens after the event, like clear next step. Again, having a professional uh, enrollment team or sales team mm-hmm. can assist you in making sure every single person is accounted for. No one is left behind. Everyone who expressing interest is accounted for. And they're, they're either on the calendar for follow-up or they're scheduled for the kickoff call and all their contracts are signed and their payment arrangements are taken care of. And then you as the leader, your job is to lead. You get a file, whether it's a digital file or a physical file. If you're in person from your sales team that says, hey, this is where everybody's at. This is the status of all the appointments. This is all the sales. These are all the contracts. These are all the concerns. These are all the applications. It's all on the silver platter. All you gotta do is show up to that kickoff call and lead your tribe, right? That's that's what we strive for, right? Help the event leader do what they do best, right? And then we take care of the rest when it comes to the enrollment process. So, uh, there you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. And I'll just add uh, two quick strategies for post-event to be able to drive more sales. So the first one is having the post-event follow-up campaign already written before the event. Very, very important. And so after the event, there are some people who just don't pop at the event, like they they pop after. And so to make sure that there's a, I would say a seven-day sequence after to ensure that For those who are still thinking about it or who pop or who have the insight of like, wow, like I wish I would have done that to just have a campaign that is highly valuable that highlights the best learnings and teaching from the event and also gives them the opportunity of hey. For those of you who are still considering support and here's a link or whatever that process looks like that can then be in turn. If if the team is in place to also call every person who possibly should have, or let me rephrase, to call every person who uh, the leader or team thought may be a good fit, but didn't, and to do a post-event integration call to say, and it really is an integration call to check in of, hey, uh, what was most valuable for you? Uh, What are your next steps? Uh, Do you have support with those next steps? It can be that simple. And that could create an opportunity to allow someone to really make the decision to get the support necessary uh, to provide whatever outcome or to achieve whatever outcome that you're promising. So that's the first piece. I would say the second piece is on that next step uh, that of what you highlighted so so beautifully, Rudy. Is that's also what I'm talking about at the the day three lunch training of like, hey, program at, program starts at lunch. That how that is ran is also incredibly important to really solidify their commitment and to let them out if they're out. That's what I highly suggest where the old school way is to make sure we do whatever we keep them in high vibes. We pump them with energy so that they don't want a refund and they don't regret their decision, which will then in turn, for those who aren't in, they will regret their decision when they leave the event. So I really suggest that that training, and that experience is used to handle all of the details and to solidify their commitments and to allow for if anyone does have concerns to meet with a salesperson there to solidify it just so there's there's nothing that's left unsaid and the commitment is solid so that's a piece i wanted to add of the last day of the event and really what that 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 lunch is used for and then afterwards is yes it's the next step of hey here's the kickoff call and the kickoff call is designed to again re to re-enroll them in their commitment to why they joined and it's to hear from everyone of why like what are they looking to get out of it what's the vision how can we all support it so just those two components of the day three lunch if you're doing a three-day event and then the component of the kickoff call just really important to again to sustain their transformation is to really have them be clear of, okay, what's the vision? And then what's the plan in place that this program is going to help them get there? So just wanted to add those two components to it.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, program starts at lunch. You got to make sure that the program actually starts at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and definitely get, like, hey, this is your opportunity to leave. Leave now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that so much. And it really forces... It gets people, it removes the excuse that, hey, I was cajoled, manipulated, that kind of thing. Talk about that in sales is making sure people get to a clear yes or clear no and and it being okay that there are no. Like in fact, let them know it's okay for their no, but this is the time to to make that call. Otherwise, strap on in, you're in for a ride, right? Mm -hmm. (sighs)
1: Awesome,
0: awesome, brother. Uh, Yeah, post event. So there we go. We have an event. Uh, We're post event. People have been onboarded properly people are excited. And let's just say fast forward two months and they're getting, they're gathering for the first, you know, high level mastermind to go through that blueprint, as you described. Um, What would you want to share about how you actually fulfill on some of these events or deliverables or masterminds that have people not just stick around for for a year, but, you know, I think you mentioned on average, your mastermind guests were sticking around for 2.8 years, right? So it doesn't just become a transaction. It becomes a a real relationship and and very profitable one at that
1: Mm -hmm. so i'll give my just number one frame for this that is again optimizing for the highest probability of their transformation and it's to build the actual community and if you call it a mastermind to actually have mastermind components to it and again if it's a group coaching program just call it a group coaching program or a group mentorship program that's fine but if you're calling it a mastermind a component to the mastermind is the people who are in it so building the community and being a facilitator is it's one of the most profitable things you can do in your business i see this especially for marketers where they invest so much money in their marketing skill set their sales skill set their leadership as a ceo skill set but they rarely ever invest in the skill set to facilitate and so when you have your high-level client group or your mastermind group in person, your ability to facilitate them extracting value from each other, that is so, it's, it's priceless because when it comes time to renew, that they've really established strong partnerships that are valuable, they have made friends, they are learning from each other. And in my experience, people will stay in your programs just for the relationships and just for, for the community alone let alone all the other benefits in there so i believe it's one of the biggest misses for people who are leading high-level masterminds where they don't cultivate their true community and they don't allow each other to really extract each other's gifts and again that also comes from making sure that the application is vetted properly so you have the right people in your programs if you're just letting people in and it doesn't really matter you're not looking at the applications you're just taking their money which is your decision This strategy 100% will not work because your misses in letting the, I'll say it how it is, the bad apples in, that will be felt in the community. So that component to it is really important. If you truly want to lead a powerful community who stays for years, it's in the power of the community and really building your fulfillment to highlight that as well as your content, as well as the experiences that you're taking them through. So I would say that's the number one thing that has led to, my client staying for the average of 2.7 or 2.8 years.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah. I'm hearing you say community, building the community and that happens through actual masterminding. (laughs) If you call it a mastermind, actually mastermind, right. And facilitate them getting value from themselves and building those relationships. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the key components that I incorporated into the retreat that I held. And many people reported that that was a highlight of theirs. Some people on there were, uh, for team members, right, and to open up in a mastermind environment and to be vulnerable, like it connected team members in a way that would never have been possible any other way, and uh, and it's helped so much with retention within our team, even you know. So I think it works for clients and for team members.
1: <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So Rudy, I th- to really close us out, I I would love for us to each discuss really w- what do we see as as the future of live events as. Live events have definitely picked back up this year. It's no secret and really looking at what the future holds. I'd love to hear your perspective on what do you think the future of live events are?
0: Great question. The honest answer is, I don't know. And let me explain why. Um, I was actually, uh, earlier this year, I was at a mastermind, uh, in Austin, uh, with Evan pagan. And, uh, he was, we were going for a walk with some of his, uh, some of the guys, we kind of broke up, Ann, Evan and Annie, they broke up, hey, girls go with Annie, Evan, guys go with Evan. Really cool experience. And uh, Evan basically pulls aside and say, hey guys, the future is uncertain. and But what we do know is, for sure is that it's going to change. And we're going to see more change in the near future than we've ever seen in our lifetimes and potentially in the history of humanity. That being said, as a leader, it's your responsibility, our responsibility to first learn how to adapt to change and be flexible and be willing to do the personal growth to change our identities and our skill sets to adapt uh, and to keep composure because many people in the face of change will lose it, <laughs> will fall into fear, will fall into all those dependence. There's actually a whole thing called the seven dynamics of change. It's a really great uh, uh, concept out there. It was written by the guy who wrote the uh the one minute manager. I actually, I teach it often, but the point here is the future is, is going to change. And, and he also said AI is going to be the great wealth concentrator. So the number one thing you can do as an entrepreneur and as a person is practice prompt, learning how to prompt or learning something about AI at least 30 minutes a day. And this was back in February of this year. So the point that I'm making here is um, there's some things that'll be constant and there's some things that are going to change. Most things are going to change. In fact, Jeff Bezos, uh, one of the wealthiest men in the world, if not at times the wealthiest man in the world, he his one of his famous quotes is, ask not about what's going to change, but what's going to stay the same. Hmm. Few things are going to stay the same. That's what you can build a business on. So to connect this all together, Alice, what you're talking about, the thing that's going to stay the same is human needs. Human needs to connect. Human needs to... To experience love, human needs to be in community. Human needs to find ways to continue to grow and to be part of something bigger than themselves to contribute. Right? Technology absolutely is going to change. Marketing absolutely is going to change. Uh, the way events are run are probably going to change in many ways, but the thing that will stay constant is the basic human need for love and connection and for growth and contribution, in my opinion. And I think that's what you can build an event business
1: off of. I love that. So, so much gold in there so much gold in there and 100 agree especially with how fast the quantum speed of ai is extraordinary and the need for human connection and the need for growth will never change so the biggest asset that you can build in your business next year and beyond i believe is the ability to really bring people together in person and to truly create an experience for them that is life-changing. So that is taking your methodologies and being able to deliver it live in person. And it's the ability to facilitate and to really support your clients in getting their lessons, of getting their plans in place, and really getting them committed to their outcomes with all of the uncertainty of the world, with the uncertainty of where AI is going, that that core component, I'm all in on that being the number one asset for next year and beyond is to really double down on being able to lead in person experiences and to really hold that for your client groups. Because in the levels of uncertainty, if you can be that pillar of certainty for them, that will create loyalty for a lifetime. And it's, again, the highest probability of value and transformation for them is your ability to do that. So yes, definitely adapt. You have to adapt to AI, to where marketing is going, to where how we're using social media and these platforms, 100%, be adaptable. And what you can hold as certain and true is your ability to help your clients transform in the best place to do that is live in person. So that's really what I see as, as the future of events and also the most valuable skill set to build next year and beyond.
0: Absolutely, thank you, Alex, for sharing that, brother. Great place, I think, to tie it all together. Um, for people who listening to this, If you want to explore more about Alex, I know Alex, you have an event coming up in January. I think it's your uh, small event, big profits event. If you do mind sharing a little bit about that with our audience.
1: Yeah. So that event is, again, if you want to run highly impactful and profitable retreats with less than 30 people and walk away with multiple six figures in profit in three days, that's what that event is about. And it's for if you're a coach, a trainer, uh, if you're a service-based business owner and you're selling high ticket services, whether they're, Uh, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 grand and beyond, the best place to do that is live in person. And it also allows you to enroll multiple of those clients into those programs at the same time. And especially if you're leading a mastermind or a client group, the community that you curate there is so important for people to see who else is in the program. Like that's a natural thing that comes up when someone is joining a program like that. So smaller events it allows you to be able to have your people in person it allows you to give them the one-on-one attention in the small group it allows them to really connect and cultivate true community as well and again it's the highest level of service i believe we can offer to our clients and then it's also such a a pillar to be able to have a baseline of half a million a million two million dollars for your business just from running these small events so that's what's coming up in January and the best place to find me would just be on facebook i create a ton of content on there i share a lot around events a lot around ultra high ticket sales those are the 25 to one hundred thousand dollars price points and beyond and also a lot of the evolutionary journey of what it takes to grow a seven plus figure business and to become that version of yourself so if you're into business and into transformation and also into having fun, uh, definitely follow me on Facebook and it's facebook.com slash Alex That's A-L-E-X-J-M-O-S-C-O-W.com. And I'm sure that they will be in the show notes.
0: Perfect. Alex, thank you. And fun fact for our audience who's, who are here at the end here, Alex is also a DJ. He is an epic freaking DJ. Do you have a handle for your, for your, for your work?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so by, my artist name is Alex J. And so soundcloud.com slash DJ Alex J uh, that will give uh, access to all of my live sets that I have posted online, whether I'm I'm DJing at Burning Man or it's at uh, an event for entrepreneurs or it's a music festival or it's a club. All of my sets are online at soundcloud.com slash DJ Alex J.
0: Awesome. Thank you, brother, for being with us today. What an epic interview. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rudy. This is a blast. All right, man. We'll call it a wrap. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the High Profit Event Show. If you are a seminar leader or thought leader or event service provider who has led or supported profitable, successful events to over 100 people, and you've been effective at enrollment into your high-end coaching, education, mastermind-type programs, we're looking for guests. Love to have you on the show. You can go to our website, virtualventsalesteam.com, click on the podcast tab, and submit an application to be on our show. Also, if you found the show to be valuable, share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Take a moment, please leave a review, and also subscribe if you haven't already. And lastly, if you have an upcoming uh, event, whether it be virtual or in person, and you'd like to have a conversation about how to fill your coaching, education, mastermind programs fast using events, you're welcome to book a complimentary 15-minute consult with either myself or a member of my team on our website virtual event sales Again, this is Rudy Rodriguez and congratulations on investing the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's been valuable. Have a great day.